Let us pray. Father, indeed, we do ask that you would fill us with your love. First of all, love for you. And then out of that great love for you, love for one another, and love for all men and women and children, all of your creation. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated. Good to see everyone here this morning and thank all of you who participated both in person and virtually um, in our Ascension Day service this past Thursday. And that's something we will continue doing on Ascension Day, which is always, is always as Father Jeddis said in his sermon Thursday night, for those of you that heard it, um, Ascension Day is always on a Thursday because Ascension Day is always 40 days after Easter. And that means it always falls on a Thursday. And I know many churches historically transfer that service and that observance to today, the Sunday after Ascension, but we've decided we're going to continue doing that on Ascension Day, just like we celebrate Epiphany, or we started celebrating Epiphany in January on the actual Feast of Epiphany. And so um, thank you all, and thanks for being here this morning. Now, next Sunday, so 10 days after Ascension Day, is Pentecost Sunday. And I would invite everyone to wear red next Sunday. If you have something red that you don't think looks dreadful, um, please, I'd invite you to wear that as we we celebrate and observe the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. And so I invite you to do that next week. I want you to turn today, if you would, in your Bibles or devices to John chapter 17 to our gospel reading. And much of what I am going to share today is in continuity with my sermons over the past few weeks, um, focusing on a specific aspect of so much that is in our gospel reading from John 17 today, with the, emphasis on live, with the emphasis on living as God's people in the world. And this is going to be a two-part sermon series. The first will be today, and then we will continue two weeks from today. Next Sunday, the focus being on Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the second part will be in two weeks. Um, but before we dive into our gospel this morning, I want to briefly mention two other scriptures, which I, help, I think help to frame our focus today. The first is a scripture from Matthew 11, which we're very familiar with because we recite it almost every Sunday as part of the comfortable words following our confession of sin and the absolution. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, we read these words of Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Second scripture that I want to look at is or read to you is from Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 18, and then also verse 22, which says this. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness." 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it end and its end eternal life. True freedom, brothers and sisters, to fully live in and for Christ is found in being a servant. Literally, not just a servant, but a bond servant or a slave, a doulos in the Greek of Jesus Christ. True freedom is found by taking upon ourselves the yoke of Christ because Christ is the only source of true freedom and liberty. And all of this that we're saying when viewed from a merely human or earthly perspective with the natural eye seems like an irreconcilable contradiction because these things are indeed a paradox. Whoever heard of a yoke that is easy or a burden that is light? How can, can true freedom only be found through willingly becoming a bondservant by becoming a slave of Jesus Christ? Yet these are true living realities in God's supernatural economy of things. As the prophet Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah chapter 55, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are indeed all called as believers to live by the spirit, finding God's liberty, hear that, God's liberty, and God's freedom by becoming his bondservants, his slaves through Jesus Christ. So that we love what God loves. And we grow to reflect his love and character to those we encounter every single day. And why? Why does this happen? Because we are growing in our love for him. And out of that love, our heart's desire come, becomes to live for him and to serve him every moment of every day. Backing up to our gospel reading from last Sunday from John chapter 15, and we'll read these words from verses 9 and 10 again in John 15, the words of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And we talked about that last week, about remaining fully connected and abiding in Jesus. And he continues, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Today's gospel reading presents what seems to be yet another paradox. And that is how we can truly live and thrive in the world, effectively touching those around us with the love and the life of Jesus Christ, yet not become ensnared or entangled in the things that are of this world. And as we look at this passage from John chapter 17, we primarily see two things that I want to focus on. The first I'll focus on this morning, because we see that God's will and design for us is to live here in this world. That's God's design. Despite ungodliness, despite the spiritual darkness around us, despite the challenges that for so many believers, particularly in other parts of the world, the, the incredible hardships and sufferings and persecutions that they face, God's will is still our living here, living here really, and it's much more than merely existing or holding out until Jesus returns. 
So my first point today, which is the focus of today's sermon, is loving our place in the world. And then next, or in two weeks, in order to thrive and live as God's people in the world, we must also understand God's provision for us in this respect. Because John 17 here also speaks of this. So in two weeks, we'll talk about living by God's provision here in this world. So let's focus on verses 13 through 15 here and loving our place. Did you hear that? Loving our place in the world. First of all, we see that loving our place in the world as God has designed it leads to fullness of joy. Now, we're familiar with the setting, but I'm going to go through some of the details again here of what's taking place as Jesus prayed this prayer for his disciples. Clearly, there's the confusion among the disciples. This is the night that is different than any other night they've ever lived in their lives. Jesus has already shared with them that one of their own will betray him. He has told them that very night that Peter would deny him three times. He's spoken to them about the wor- how the world hates him and also hates them. And the disciples really don't have all that clear of a sense of what is going on here at the moment. Yet in all of this, in verse, teen, verse 13, Jesus says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves, speaking about and to his disciples and all believers, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. We need to understand that walking in the joy found in and provided by Christ alone is an essential part, brothers and sisters, of loving our place in this world. The disciples gathered in the upper room probably would have much rather gone with Jesus and left this world, at least if they could have avoided going the way that Jesus had to go. And often the circumstances and things around us cause us, cause you and me to want to opt out or opt for a a flight response as part of being human. We think, oh Lord, just take me or take all of us out of here and, and get us out of this place. But brothers and sisters, we are not here somehow just to hold on or to hold out. We are here to walk in the power and the presence and the fullness of the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 reminds us, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And then this, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is fullness of joy that comes from God himself as we grow to love our place in this world as God has designed it and as God intends. Secondly, growing to love our place in this world means learning how, by God's power, to live in this world. God's plan and design for us is to live in this world. Look at verses 14 through 15 of John 17 with me. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. 
The reality is that this world stands in opposition to the truth of God. Because we have the truth and because we have embraced God's truth and salvation in our lives that only comes through Jesus Christ, this world, in the sense, broad sense, is opposed to us. Literally, as Jesus says, the world hates us. Why? Because the world rejects the truth of God. But there's no place for us as Christians to cry or complain or sing the blues because of that reality. This, brothers and sisters, is where God has called us to live and to thrive as his people. And that raises the question, how are we in this world when we aren't of this world? I mean, we're born into this world. We're human. Yet we are not of this world, particularly in terms of being bound to sin and the ways of the world that are contrary to God and God's heart and God's will. Because as Christians, we are born anew, born again of the spirit of God. And we are not of this world because of Jesus Christ and through him and the work he has done in us and is doing in us by his good spirit. As the people of God, God's design is for us to live in this world. And yet in this world to live out the reality of the life of God's kingdom. And not one of earthly kingdoms. Look at verse 15 again. Just to emphasize it is so important for us. Jesus praying, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. God's will is that we thrive in fullness of joy as the people of God, accomplishing his will and his purposes by his power. And when I say thrive, I'm not talking about worldly or material prosperity. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. But often, I think, especially in the Western world, we sometimes miss this reality as believers. Jesus doesn't cause us call us to thrive in some materialistic sense, but he calls us to thrive in a spiritual sense. He calls us to be, as he says in the Sermon on the Mount, salt and light. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. I think one way that believers get this understanding of thriving wrong is that we want to have what I call a trench mentality. We want to build our little safe feeling Christian bubble or Christian cocoon as if somehow that were even possible. And we come to this idea that somehow by interacting with non-believers or people who don't yet know Jesus, by virtue of that, we're contaminated somehow. And we just want to interact with our own little circle of Christians that makes us feel comfortable and we partially or even sometimes almost totally isolate ourselves. And in doing this, we let the world go by and go to hell. It's not a biblical model. Jesus did not pray to get us out. He prayed for our protection from the evil one. Jesus said that our light is to never be hidden under a bowl or a bushel. It is to shine. The second error is when we are no different 
than the world. So you go from one extreme, we want to hide and cocoon, to we're totally assimilated. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And he goes on to say, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And this is the other extreme, but far too often we as the people of God are no different than the world around us. And we lose our saltiness and we cease to be the light that God has called us to be. We are indeed called to be in the world, but not of the world. We are called to be different, not weird, but different. Different because of the character of God, different because of the spirit of God dwelling in us. We're called to be different, to make a difference by the power of the spirit of God flowing through us. And because we're different, we need to be missional. We need to think with the eyes and the mind and the heart of God. Worldwide, yes, and we partner with missionaries. And God may call some of you in this church, even some of the young people in this church someday to be missionaries. Not just for a few weeks, but maybe for a huge part of your life, just like he's called Mother Jessica. But it's also about helping people right here right now where we are. It's not an either or, it is a both and if we have the mind and the heart of God in terms of being missional. How do we do that? We do that by building gospel bridges to people in this community. We do it through things like the food giveaway yesterday where we had at least 130 or 40 cars come through again with families. We do it by building bridges with other outreaches. We do it as you all go to your neighborhoods and to your workplaces where God takes you every day and you are salt and light. And you don't hunker down and have a trench mentality, nor are you assimilated into the world without the salt and the light of Christ shining through you. Being in the world but not of it means lovingly and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear that. Lovingly and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Engaging the world because the world is made up of people who desperately need to know Jesus Christ. People for whom Jesus died. It means we cannot respond to people ensnared in sin like many people or even many people in the church do based on some sense of self-righteousness or superiority. But we do need to graciously and lovingly speak the truth, even when it's the hard thing to say. And in doing that, we always need to remember if it wasn't for God's grace, that could be me or that could be you in that situation. Being in the world, but not of it, means understanding that God loves these people so much that Jesus gave his very lifeblood for them just as he did for us. So we need to love them, not making excuses for sinful behaviors and that which is not of God, but reaching out and offering people hope and healing and life and transformation that only comes through Christ. 
if the church of Jesus Christ is not doing this, who will? Who can apart from Christ? The church, the church of Jesus Christ, and this church as a local expression of the body of Christ needs to be a place that preaches the gospel unashamedly, the truth, the whole counsel of God's word. And it's a place, this place, this church needs to be a spiritual hospital for people that are broken and dying and grasping for hope. Whatever their challenge or their sin burden is, we need to be a hospital. So looking forward to having Reverend Bob Reagan, a deacon in our diocese in later this year to talk about the ministry of regeneration and all that they do. We're starting a grief share group up again this week for people that are hurting, or in the next few weeks rather. We're doing things like the food pantry. We're looking at other ways that we can reach out both within our congregation, but beyond the walls of our church, our community, to reach people at the point of their pain and their hurt. And it gets messy, I know I've said that before, but, but loving people with the love of Christ and reaching out means people don't come here fixed already. But they come, and as they surrender to Jesus, and they open their lives to Jesus, and for some of it's a long walk and a long road, but Jesus brings healing and restoration and wholeness. We need to be a hospital where even the deepest wounds and scarred Scars often that people experience because they've been inflicted by others where those people can experience hope and healing and deliverance and support and freedom. We had the wonderful privilege yesterday of attending the funeral of our dear friend, Carol Clues, who I don't know that any of you here know Carol, um, long-term friend, but Carol and her husband Vince are members of, were founding members of Church of the Resurrection, one of our sister churches in Doma up in Lutherville, Maryland, north of Baltimore. It's where I did my postulancy and where I, both of my, my deacon and my priest ordination took place. And Carol was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died in four weeks um, recently. Carol had just recently, two years ago, retired as the director of the Center for Pregnancy Concerns in Baltimore, a pro-life outreach. But one of the things that came through resoundingly yesterday was all the mothers and children whose lives were changed and even saved through the work of Carol Clues. Not just declaring the fact that abortion is wrong, but offering hope and healing and offering practical things like food and a clothing boutique for expectant mothers and counseling and, and assist us with medical care. When Carol started at the Center for Pregnancy Concerns, they had one center. They now have five around the Baltimore area. One adjacent to the University of, Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County campus. And one of the most, the most recent center is literally in Baltimore City. This is Planned Parenthood and the space immediately next to Planned Parenthood's main center in Baltimore is the Center for Pregnancy Concerns. Carol's life was lived well. And she offered deliverance and healing and support and freedom. In so many ways, in so many areas, that is what God is calling us to do. We'll finish in two weeks by talking about how to live in the world, keeping our living ordered by the priorities of God's kingdom. 
in verses 16 through 19. But Jesus, brothers and sisters, calls us. I know I sound like a broken record, but we need to hear this. To live and thrive in this world, living by the Spirit, in the world but not of it. Reaching out with the love and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus to those around us. And God's word here also calls us to do a reality check. Asking ourselves, are we indeed, and this goes for individuals, this goes for us as a church, are we indeed living in the world by the power of Jesus Christ, ordering our lives by God's grace to demonstrate the priorities and values of his kingdom, his kingdom to those around us, not some earthly kingdom and not some syncretistic, melded kingdom of earthly, temporal stuff that gets labeled as Christian, but truly the priorities and the values of his eternal kingdom. That will never happen through a trench mentality by isolating ourselves in our Christian bubble or cocoon. And neither will it happen by walking and living as closely to and as much like the world as we can, like we're walking on some kind of a tightrope. Being in the world and not of it is a matter of priorities. Priorities for us lived out as we seek God, as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of the heart as our priorities are motivated by nothing less and nothing other than love for God and passion for Christ. My former district superintendent in the Assemblies of God, who's retired now and lives in the Richmond area, Dr. Robert Roden, often would ask this question of himself. It was something he encouraged us as pastors to ask ourselves. And I conclude with this question because I think it really frames everything we're talking about today. A question he would ask himself often is, what did I do today that was worth Jesus dying for? What did I do today that was worth Jesus dying for? Let us pray. Father, fill our hearts with love for you, with passion for Christ and his kingdom. And I pray, Father, that as you do that, out of nothing but pure love for you, we would be the salt and light that you have called us to be. And that we would walk in the power and the anointing of your spirit to reach the world around us truly with the love and life of Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel. Not our agenda, not our own syncretistic distorted gospel, but the pure truth of the gospel and the love of Christ. We pray that you would fill our hearts with compassion that you would fill our lives with the eyes and the heart of Christ and his kingdom. And we pray for our community, Father, for those who desperately need to know Christ. God, help us to reach them. Right down the hill here, 
in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. And Lord, may we never shrink back from being in this world as you've called us to be by your holy design, but yet not being of it, but being that salt and light that you are recreating us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.